calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the history of the IRS. So grab your tax return. And let's get civical. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Wallentowski. And what's going on in the world today? I don't know. I feel like spring is really springing right now. Like it is, it is sprung up in her. Like I am still currently not in my apartment, but I'm currently in North Carolina where it is 79 degrees and sunny and gorgeous and like just it's wild it's wild spring has in fact sprung that's amazing yeah i i'm also not home right now so we're both we're both tuning in from different locations Mm -hmm. i'm in kansas city home of harry s truman your favorite yes my favorite person harry s truman i'm i'm at his i'm at his old stomping grounds just getting in touch with the Trooms, seeing, like, making sure I'm on course, like, what would Truman do? I kind of, you know, <laughs> approached my entire life that way. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, like, 72, 73 degrees, very sunny, not a cloud in the sky. That's so good. One of those days. So yummy. So yummy. And I love it. I feel like everybody is sort of waking up and being like, oh, okay. Hey. A lot of hey, chipperness in the hi. air. Hi. Yes. Yes. 
So in that spirit, in the spirit of spring, something always, uh, there's an event that is always every year, the same time except this year. And thank God, because I forgot to do them. Um, it's it's tax day. It's tax it's day. It's taxes. Yeah. It's the tax season. Yeah. And so we obviously were like, what? is that all about? And so we're doing an episode today on, you guessed it, the IRS, the most springtime organization there ever was. There ever was. (laughs) It is fundamentally rude that it comes in the middle of springtime when we should be outside and yet we're filing our taxes. And they've, obviously, if you, I mean, I I would hope everybody knows at this point, but they've pushed back the filing deadline to, I think it's mid-May now. So it's even, it's going to be even more gorgeous when taxes are actually due. But I'm glad because I fully forgot. I fully forgot about (laughs) my taxes. I I woke up one day, maybe like three days ago and was like, oh my God, I I haven't done it. (laughs) I haven't done it. Oopsies. I did not forget. I just like my filing takes me forever in a day. And yeah, I just like the last two years I've had to file an extension because I just cannot Mm -hmm. get it together. And I really like my goal for this year is to like hashtag get it together because I was like, you'll have time. Like it's a pandemic, whatever. Like you'll be home and did not do any of that. All of my receipts are still in bags. I haven't done anything. I've. I do have, like, my W-2s and 1099s, but, like, okay, like, that's it. Like, I have done no work. That's all. You need you need to do more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to th- – it's my goal this week to get my taxes done. That's, that's the goal of the week. But with that said, with all of that said, I file my taxes electronically through TurboTax every year. I keep it super <laughs> simple and probably, like – give the IRS money that they actually don't deserve because like who like they never teach you how to do this this is one of those things where I'm like we should be taught how to file taxes what this all means what the IRS is even doing but but nobody nobody knows I feel like except very specific people or accountants yes this is one of those things that I fully believe like there should be like an adult class that like in high school like Fuck home ec. I don't need to learn how to sew a hem, although that's helpful. What would be helpful is to figure out, like, for somebody to tell me, like, how do you file taxes? How do you? Like, I mean, things that, like, I know, but maybe other people don't. Like, laundry, mortgages, like, all the shit that unless you, like, grew. Yeah, like, the things that, like, are just part, like, actual adult, part of actual adult life. Mm -hmm. That's what I needed to know. I feel like there yes, should be an I adult agree. class. I agree entirely. Thank you. Um, so consider, everybody, consider this your adult class because ding, 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 school's in session. School's in session. <laughs> this is it. And so we're going we're gonna to break down the history of the IRS. We're going to talk about how it came to be, some of the functions kind of on a basic level, and then, of course, some fun, fun facts because I'm not letting us... I'm not letting the IRS win. We're going to we're going to bring in some fun cuz this could yeah. be a very dull episode and guess what? Not today, honey. Not on my watch. So, with that said, Arden, do you want to go over today's sources? So today's sources. So this is coming from one the Department of Treasury. Love. How stuff works. 
the IRS, the General Services Administration, ooh, mm-hmm. and the National Parks Service. Interesting. I'm excited. And then you also have a source because you did. And then I have a source. For fun fun facts, there was this great mental floss article that yeah. gave, that listed out fun, fun facts. Um, so that's coming from mental floss when we get there, but we're not there yet. You haven't Brett, earned Brett. the fun, fun fact. And you have to listen so, to the end for that. That's You have to listen to the end. You have to stay to the end to find out what's fun about the IRS. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about overall view of the IRS. So these notes are coming from the Department of Treasury and how stuff works. So the Internal Revenue Service, or the IRS, is responsible for the determination, assessment, and collection of internal revenue in the United States. Great, simple, succinct definition. We love. Plus... This revenue consists of a personal and corporate income taxes, excise, estate, and gift taxes, as well as employment taxes for the nation's social security system. So quick sidebar, we just did an episode on social security, not what, last week? Yeah. Week before? Yeah. The week before, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Go listen. Go listen. Enjoy. Learn a little. Continuing on. After gaining independence from Britain, Americans were wary of abusive taxes and didn't even grant the federal government authority to enforce taxation at first. I mean, yeah, like you can't... Our whole thing was like no taxation without representation, very anti-taxes. We can't then form a government and the first order of business be taxes. Like that would be a big That would be, let's say, hypocritical. Hypocritical is a word that we could use. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, we are, I, I love the founding of this nation because we're so untrusting, very, very um, suspicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I love. Under the Articles of Confederation, the federal government could request taxes from states, but this was essentially voluntary. So unfortunate we don't have this system anymore. Where it's just voluntary, you know? It's like, if you can... Give a little. Give. Give a little, take a little. Give a, give a penny, take a penny. Yeah. When this system proved to be, you guessed it, ineffective, the framers of the U.S. Constitution made sure that Congress could indeed, quote, lay and collect taxes. I always thought it was interesting that they used the term lay mm-hmm. to, like, lay taxes. I'm like, how did that become, like, the adjective for taxes? Or sorry, not the adjective. The, the verb. verb for taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm uneducated, but the verb for taxes. <laughs> but like lay taxes, like what? Lay them where? <laughs> <laughs> and like my upbringing was like, so I went to Catholic school, so I hear the word lay, and it's like a lay person is like a non-religious person in the church, mm, like a not mm-hmm. like somebody who hasn't taken holy orders. So I'm like. Like the non-nun taxes? Like that's where my brain goes. The non-nun taxes. Yes, absolutely. That's what these are. But even then, it didn't require an agency to collect these taxes. The states were responsible for collecting federal taxes on goods like sugar, liquor, and tobacco. For decades, Americans had to pay taxes on various domestic products, which are excise taxes, imports, which are custom taxes, and exports, which are tariffs but didn't have to pay any portion of their income to the federal government. So 
different from what we have now, and we'll talk yes. about how we got to where we are now. Yep. The Bureau of Internal Revenue was established on July 1st, 1862, to collect the new income tax, which was used to pay for the Civil War. The income tax, which was declared unconstitutional by the Supreme Court in 1895, (laughs) was reinstated by the 16th Amendment to the Constitution on February 25th, 1913. Yeah, the federal government was like, "Mm, fuck you, we need money. Wait, yeah, the Supreme Court was like, wait, actually, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, we just just read the email. Exists. We literally just read the email, yeah. and I, I actually don't think we can do this. No, no, no. Sorry. And circling back and, like, squaring the circle to tell yeah, you. Yeah, as per your previous email, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Actually, no. Actually, yes. <laughs> and then fun fact, which we'll talk about uh, some more in a little bit, the Bureau of Internal Revenue was responsible for the enforcement of the Prohibition Amendment in the 1920s. And I think we did talk about that on our Prohibition episodes yeah i think we did yeah we yeah. talked a little bit about that yeah yeah we did yeah we did so that's just something to cleanse our palate yeah that's something to get us to get us going because we're about to get into a very detailed timeline of her you could call it evolution i would say i would i would the call evolution it, yeah an evolution of the irs yeah 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 so arden Take it away. Where where do we begin? What is the year? What's going on? Is it a good year for us? A bad year for me? What's what's your definitely Lizzie's banner year? It's eighteen sixty two. She is living the dream. She is kicking ass and taking names and subsisting purely on margaritas. It is her best. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Civil War mark. The Civil War. The Civil War was margaritas and tacos exclusively. Margaritaville. It's in the the new Gettysburg. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, so good. But joking aside, so the year is 1862, and Lincoln, President Lincoln, signed into law a revenue raising measure to help pay for Civil War expenses because hashtag that was an expensive war, like. Quite expensive. Quite so expensive. expensive. The government had no money. What were they? What were they subsisting on? Like literally just alcohol tax. Like that was it. Like, alcohol. Yeah. Probably tobacco. Yeah. Probably tobacco. And like God bless Godspeed. Americans have always been into their vices, but like yes. the Civil War is expensive, and Very they expensive. needed more monies yes. in order to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So he signed a bill into law to help raise money for the Civil War. The measure created a commissioner of internal revenue and the nation's first income tax. It levied a 3% tax. <laughs> we should be so lucky. Honestly. Seriously. 3% tax? I'd be like, fucking take it. Go ahead. I don't. Here. Whatever. Give a penny, take a penny. I don't care. By all means. <laughs> By all means. Uh-huh. Um, a 3% tax on incomes between $600. You know what? In 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 1862... <laughs> This is this is more than we think. It's more than we think. It's more than we think. Well, because also, like, you, you still have, like, other sources of commerce at this time yes. still, like, kind of. Like, we're still trading as well. Like, yes, there's money, but there's also still some, like, Oh, like barter a barter system? system? Yeah, on. there's totally still, yeah. like, a barter system. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, in certain parts Here's of the country. Here's my gold. Give me your cow. Here's my gold. Mm-hmm. Here's a goat. Here's yeah. a pot, like, yeah. a thing of milk. That's how like, they acquired the original goat. Yes. So yes, 3% tax on incomes between $600 and $10,000, 
and a 5% tax on incomes of more than $10,000. Love. So taxing proportionate to income. Yep. Love to which see we it. still see today. Yep. And then in 1867, heeding public opposition to the income tax, Congress cut the tax rate. Something we know well. We know well from our history <laughs> yeah. year after year after year. Yeah, after we don't year like taxes. Year. People don't like taxes. But then they decide that they like police and schools and, you know, sure. clean water. I think our new slogan should be, we don't like taxes. Period. We what don't is like our them. current slogan? Isn't it the e pluribus unimum? Uh E pluribus unum. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Among one, we are many. Yes. Or, or oh, wait, no, in God we trust is now it. Yes. Because it's no it longer. It is on the money. But it should be, yes. we don't like taxes. No taxes, please. No taxes. And thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. It should just be a flag Put that, that says, under no, Andrew thank Jackson's you. Exclamation head. point. <laughs> no, thanks. Bye. No, thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah, so Congress cut the tax rate in 1867. And from 1868 until 1913, 90% of all revenue for the federal government came from taxes on liquor, beer, wine, and tobacco. So, like, Hey, we would be funding you and me single-handedly, the federal government. Literally. Come on. We're a party party country right now. This is, and this is why. the good old days. This is why it was patriotic to party. Yeah. It is patriotic to party. Yeah. And then in 1872, the income tax was repealed. Mm Mm-hmm. So then in 1894, the Wilson Tariff Act revived the income tax and an income tax division within the Bureau of Internal Revenue was created. So 1894 is like when it pops up for realsies. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1895, the Supreme Court ruled the new income tax unconstitutional on the grounds that it was a direct tax and not apportioned among the states on the basis of population. The income tax division was disbanded, so it was around for a year. (laughs) And then the Supreme Court was like, "Mm, fuck y'all bitches. Guys, we shut that shit down. Mm -mm. They shut it in. And then in 1909, President Taft recommended Congress propose a constitutional amendment that would give the government the power to tax incomes without apportioning the burden among the states in line with population. <laughs> Taft was like, wait, guys, have you ever considered, have you ever, ever heard of an amendment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Taft was like, I know the Supreme Court wants us to do it this way, which is to according to like how many people live in a state, that's how we should tax. But hear me out. Let's not hear do that. Out. No. Let's not Let's just do go that. straight to the horse's mouth, which yeah. is the Constitution, and, like, throw something on there. Let's just throw something on p- p- the Put punishment. something on the books, if you Let's will. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Yeah. You know yeah. you want to. You know you want to. And this is exactly how President Taft sounded, actually. Actually. I've there's, the research. <laughs> there's legitimately audio. He was a soprano. <laughs> he was a gangster. I meant soprano as, like, singing voice, not as, like, the mob. Oh, no. I... <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. I was he like, was Tony Soprano. Totally <laughs> no, I meant, I meant that he had a beautiful soprano voice, oh you know? So good. With a high belt. With a high belt. <laughs> of course. I mean, like, I could also, I am happy to, like, I could do a Taft for you right now. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so President Taft recommended that Congress propose a constitutional amendment that would give the government the power to tax incomes without apportioning the burden among the states in line with population. Congress also levied a 1% tax on net corporate incomes of more than $5,000. So this is like the first corporate tax. Mm-hmm. Great. We love to see it. Great. We really love to see it. Something 1%. You know what? It's not nothing. It's not. It's not nothing. nothing. Yeah. It's not nothing. 
1913, as the threat of World War I loomed, Wyoming became the 36th state and the last state needed to ratify the 16th Amendment. Of course it's Wyoming. So Wyoming was needed to ratify the 16th Amendment, which stated that, quote, Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived with apportionment among the states and without regard to any census or enumeration. So, like, it didn't matter. Mm-mm. They were like, you know what? We don't, it doesn't matter. Population's no. irrelevant. Yeah. Bye. I honestly, like, I don't understand why, like, so if you lived in a more populous, that doesn't actually make any sense to me. So would the idea be that you live in a, po- if you live in a populous state, like a state with more people, you pay more taxes or you pay fewer taxes? I don't you understand know, because eventually people would just move because if you paid like right. 3% in Wyoming and you paid 20% in New York, like what? Why? Yeah, but basing it off population seems odd. And, you know, again, weirdly enough, the Supreme Court did not consult me when they sort of made this decision or, or came up with this this idea that it should be based it's so on rude. So it's so rude. It's always rude because I because I could have said, hey, look, gentlemen, <laughs> talk talk me through it. Yep. Walk me through your process mm-hmm. of how this works. It doesn't matter if there's more people in one place. Yeah. There should be more taxes because there's more people. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Get a grip. Get a grip. And Come then on. I would slap them. <laughs> Pull yourself together. So They signed the 16th Amendment, and then later Congress adopted a 1% tax on net personal income of more than $3,000 with a surtax of 6% on incomes of more than $500,000. The 16th Amendment also repealed the 1909 corporate income tax. That makes me sad. Like, tax them. Like, come on. Just just tax them. And it was what? 5%? Come on. I think that was the corporate tax was one percent. One percent. Oh, fuck off! Tax that. They're using public roads. Fuck off. They're using public roads. Go off, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> this was also the year in 1913 that the first form 1040 was introduced. Yes, let's get the paperwork going. Get the paperwork going. And then in 1919, the states ratified the 18th Amendment, barring the manufacture, sale, or transport of intoxicating beverages. Ooh, I smell a prohibition. What's that smell? It's prohibition. It's prohibition. Mm. Congress passed the Volstead Act, which gave the Commissioner of Internal Revenue the primary responsibility for enforcement of prohibition. This is just crazy. It's so This is crazy wild. that this is what we did. It was like, uh, uh, John, Commissioner of the Inter- Internal Revenue, John, you enforce this. Mm-hmm. You got it? And John is literally over here being like, my dude, all I want is a shot of tequila. Get John is drunk face. as hell. John is John didn't want this? No. Oh, man. County? Poor John. Come on. Nobody wants counting. Come on. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Eleven years later, the Department of Justice assumed primary prohibition enforcement duties, <laughs> which feels like a step in the right direction. I mean, I get putting it yes, with the no. money because, like, the government, the federal government, is funded by alcohol sales. So, in a way, I get it, but also, it's that's sure. not how we think of like, like if you get pulled over for a DUI, the IRS is like, uh, "Did you file your taxes? We don't. Did you, ca- you know what? Home? We don't care either way. That has nothing to do with us." Yeah, I think it should have been a joint effort. Yeah, perhaps. Sure. By the IRS and the, I think 
as far as enforcing prohibition, that always should have been the Department of Justice. Balancing the books of prohibition, that's the IRS's job. Yes, exactly. Like, what's, what are these accountants going to come out with, like, you know, some those little batons being like, no drinking, boys. Also, <laughs> geometry. You know, I don't know. Like, yeah. who knows yeah. how this works? But <laughs> it's crazy. So, so crazy. Then in 1933, Prohibition was repealed. The IRS again resumed responsibility for alcohol taxation the following year and for administering the National Firearms Act. Interesting. Gun regulation. What? Interesting. Huh. Later, tobacco tax enforcement was added to their base, like portfolio. So the IRS is oh doing God. alcohol, a firearms, hyphenate. and taxes. Mm-hmm. If it's a vice, it's under the IRS's tobacco. jurisdiction. Yes. If it makes you feel good, it's the IRS. It's the IRS. And then in 1942, the Revenue Act of, you guessed it, 1942, was passed and was hailed by President Roosevelt as the, quote, greatest tax bill in American history. Okay. 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 But, like, Let's pump it up, Roosevelt. Down. I mean, if you're going to pass a tax bill, you might as well be like, brr, 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 brr. This is the greatest tax bill in American history. You know, yeah. like, come oh, sure. on. how else are we? Yeah, gonna... like, pump it how up. How are we going to get behind this? Yeah. The tax bill, the Revenue Act of 1942, increased taxes and the number of Americans subject to income tax. It also created deductions for medical and investment expenses. Sure. Yeah. If you need to go to the doctor, let's deduct you need to go it. go to the doctor. From... Deduct it. Yeah. If you need to stay alive. If you need to. Sure. Deduct. Deduct it. Just a thought. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So that was 1942, and then a year later in 1943, Congress passed the (laughs) Current Tax Payment Act. Bless them. Which required employers to withhold taxes from employee wages and remit them quarterly. Okay, we're start. I feel like we're we're starting to kind of like get the shape of what we know today as the IRS. Just slowly but surely, some familiar things. Yeah. In 1952, President Truman proposed his reorganization plan number one. <laughs> oh, number one. <laughs> number one which replaced the patronage system at the IRS with a career civil service system. 
It also decentralized service to taxpayers and sought to restore public confidence in the agency. I mean, talk about, thank God that this was number one on the reorganization plan. I mean, nobody trusts us anymore. If it had been number two, we would have been in real poop. Yeah. 1953, President Eisenhower endorsed Truman's reorganization plan and changed the name of the agency from the Bureau of Internal Revenue to the Internal Revenue Service. Thank God. Different. It's different. It is no longer a bureau. It is a service. It is here to serve you and save your money. Because we trust services. We don't trust bureaus. Exactly. Exactly. Bureaus are scary. Services friendly. In 1954, the filing deadline for individual tax returns changed from March 15th to the now familiar April 15th, mm-hmm. except for this year, which it is May 17th. Yeah. 17th, correct? Yep. Yeah. May 17th because of COVID. Then in 1972, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Division separated from the IRS to become the Independent Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Correct. Yes, correct. I can't believe it took until 1972 for us to realize, hmm, maybe these two, these things don't belong together. Sort of taxes. Yes. And alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Well, also because those things became legal and more people started using them and we expanded our, like, revenue beyond just, like, alcohol sales. Then it became clear that, like, the ATF, as it's known, uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, ATF became, like, the place where, like, they are responsible for federal enforcement of the regulations of those items. Mm Mm-hmm. Then in 1986, limited electronic filing began. So it used to be all paper. You have to submit your papers, and that's how you had to file your taxes. Now we're in the we're in the mid 80s. It's Reagan at the helm, and we're going electronic, baby. So in 1986, President Reagan signed the Tax Reform Act the most significant piece of tax legislation in 30 years, and it contained 300 provisions and took three years to implement. The act codified the federal tax laws for the third time since the Revenue Act of 1918. Then, 1992, taxpayers who owed money were allowed to file returns electronically, so now we're getting into a full electronic moment. Yep. In 1998, Congress passed the IRS Reconstruction and Reform Act, which expanded taxpayer rights and called for the reorganization. <laughs> Once again, we're having to reorganize this agency. Called for the reorganizing of the agency into four operating divisions aligned according to taxpayer needs. Because can you believe it? People need different things. I, I, it's astonishing. Astonishing. And they thought, hey, let's... Let's split this up here. I'll focus on this tax bracket. You focus on that tax bracket. Bill, you go over there to that tax bracket. Let's see if this gets a little more straightforward for us. Let's streamline it. Let's see. Let's see. Surely these people will need different things. Then in 2000, the IRS enacted reforms, ending its geographic-based structure and instituting four major operating divisions. First one, wage and investment. Second one, small businesses slash self-employed. The third one, large and mid-sized businesses. And then the fourth one, tax-exempt 
and government entities. We love it. Love. It was the most sweeping change at the IRS since the 1953 reorganization. Great. So that's that's getting us into the 21st century, yeah. basically. And I feel like we're still, as the 2000s keep chugging along, I'm sure we'll see. I'm sure we're, I think we're due for another reorganization. I do, especially after COVID and like when they came out yeah. with all of the like, like it was the first time that the federal government had actually really recognized like self-employed people or 1099s mm-hmm. as like people who actually like it's not an insignificant portion of the yeah. like GDP or their revenue or just like right. the human like the workforce in the United States and finally they were yeah. like, Oh, these people actually matter too. Huh. So Aww. oh, that's so interesting. So I, I'm hoping that since they were able to recognize that fairly successfully for COVID, that going forward that there will be more thought to the to that bracket of people. Yeah. It's uh it's funny. It's funny the way the IRS divvies up things. <laughs> it really makes me want to laugh out loud sometimes in pain. I'm just, in pain. I'm in stress. So the IRS is a uh, the Internal Revenue Service is a government entity and as such they have, you guessed it, a building. Dun, da, da, da. I love when they have a building. They have a building. I love when there's a building. I love when there's a structure. I love a place that I can like visualize in my mind yes. and that's where they are. They have a physical structure. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the building and where it came from. It's like su- kind of, it's interesting. I feel like I really had a fun time researching this part. So this is all coming from the General Services Administration. Which sidebar, if you haven't listened to our General Service Administration oh, yeah. episode, yeah. We do have, we've done so many episodes. Go listen yep. to it. That's also a great one. Because, like, what is the General Service Administration? I'm not going to tell you here. Yeah. But there is an episode There's about a go-finder. Oh. Very interesting administration. Does a they lot of They do stuff. a lot of random stuff. They do a lot of random They have their hands in everything. They do. They've got a finger in every pot, and that's why they're called General Services. Because you just, <laughs> nobody like, could come up with a name. They're like, just generally, we operate. Generally. Just generally. Generally. <laughs> generally speaking, <laughs> we service. We service. Generally speaking, we're around if you need us. Yeah. Just give us a call. Just give us a call. Pick up a phone. A president? Great. Love. Love it. You need services? You need people? You need money for your money? administration? Okay. Here you go. Here you go. Yes. Here's a building. Here's There's a building. building. There's Everywhere a building. there's a building. Yeah. Empty building? We have them. Do you need one? Great. Yeah. Yeah. So prior to, so getting back to the IRS building, prior to the redevelopment of the Federal Triangle, and like put a pin in that because we're going to talk about what the Federal Triangle is in a second. So prior to the redevelopment of the Federal Triangle, the site of the IRS building was occupied by Washington's first theater. Excellent. Let's start with the arts. Let's start in the arts. Absolutely. And then absolutely shit on them for 200 years. Yes. Yes. The Washington Theater opened in 1804 and offered a medley of entertainment, including song, dance, and magic. Yeah! They were cutting people in half at Washington Theater. Fuck yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It continued in operation until 1820 when a fire destroyed the building. Gosh darn it. I know. Really, really sad. So let's take the pin out of the Federal Triangle because what is the Federal Triangle, you ask? The Federal Mm -hmm. Triangle is located between Pennsylvania Avenue, which is what the street that the White House is located on, Constitution Avenue, 
and 15th Street Northwest and is part of the Pennsylvania Avenue National Historic District. So it's this like, it's not really a triangle. It's almost like a trapezoid. (laughs) That's exactly us to say, here is the national triangle, the federal triangle. And we look at it and go, because here's the thing. How many, what do you think the percentage of Americans is that could pick out a trapezoid? From like a list of geographic sure. shapes. It's I'm not, talking it's, fourth yes, grade. Of, of the most notorious shapes, the triangle, square, and circle, I think, oh, yes. take the cake. Take you the could cake. also throw a rectangle up there. Oh, Yeah, yes. the trapezoid is much more exotic. She is nuanced. She's nuanced. How many sides are on a trapezoid? You know, you tell me. Like, it's four. It's four. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so we're all on the same page about trapezoids. I get it. And also, the federal trapezoid no, doesn't sound it's as not jazzy. Hot. That is it doesn't not sound hot. as jazzy. And you know, no. I'm all about titles. I'm, I don't blame them for calling it the triangle. No, I don't either. either. The federal really trapezoid, go fuck yourself. Like, get over no, yourself. No. no, no, no. Where did you go, Duke? Come on. Come on. Come on. So it is a, it's comprised of a unified group of important and prominent federal office buildings. So it, it's like this trapezoidal area that, like, you know, name a building in D.C. that you could name off the top of your head. It's probably in there. It's very close. All very close. It's all very other. close. So going back to the building where the iris is located, the property was purchased by a family of talented Italian immigrants. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I'm with obsessed the GSA with this on this. It's it's by because they could have just said that it was purchased by Italian immigrants, no, but they're no. like first of all they were a family, and second of all talent talented running they were talented. through the veins of that family with they had and they had established reputations as professors of music dancing and painting like go off of course you're italian go what off. else would you do absolutely so then in 1822 the carucci's assembly rooms opened which played an important role in the city's cultural history as the site for balls theatrical musical and literary entertainments and the occasional political gathering the occasional uh, just one off just, just a one-off, 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 Exactly right. So, you know, it's hard. <laughs> I literally like, stared blankly at my computer and was like, uh. All right. Good to tell you. Shout out to all the Buchanan heads out there. We will eventually learn about James Buchanan. We will I'm just eventually. Right now, he gets lost to history. Go, 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 goodbye. Go, go, goodbye. Goodbye. Go, goodbye. So then in 1872, Carucci's was replaced by a burlesque hall known as the Washington <gasps> Theater Comic. 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 I love that. I've never seen it written that way. It's C-O-M-I-Q-U-E. I mean, very French, but also like, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm going to change all of our stuff to Lizzie Stewart. Comique. Comique. <laughs> you are comique. Comédienne, no? The building, so this is the Washington Theater that we're talking about. This The Washington Theater uh, building was torn down in the 1930s and made way for the Federal Triangle construction. Uh, mm. The trapezoid we were speaking of earlier. Mm-hmm. Founded in 1872, the IRS was housed in temporary wood frame structures throughout the early 20th century. Okay, we yeah. placed zero importance. Temporary wood frame structures. Yeah, we're going to put them in wood frame structures, but also, can you guys monitor prohibition for us? Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much. Peace be with Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Peace be with Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah, because when you house something in a temporary wooden structure... It's not safe. It's no. not safe. Things happen no. to wood. Like fire. Yeah. Yes. Um, which these buildings were prone to. They were prone to fires, which greatly impeded the safety, the safekeeping <laughs> of the nation's revenue documents. I mean, absolutely. Oh, no. Sure. Oh, let's no. put let's put the budget documents and all of the registers in this great wooden building. Yeah, let's put the let's put the agency that arguably has the most paper. Yes, in the wooden buildings that are prone I to mean, fire. I mean, Lizzie, what let's could go wrong? Blow. What could go wrong? Nothing. And also, if you guys wouldn't mind monitoring prohibition, right, right, right. <laughs> but you know what? Don't bring the alcohol near the wooden buildings. Could Bad. recommend it less. Bad. And actually, what we're also going to do later is introduce firearms to the scenario just to really just, jazz it up. Just to really... Don't shoot it. <laughs> no, no, don't shoot. Just really, we're going to elevate... Don't shoot. Don't. And also the tobacco, don't smoke. Don't smoke <laughs> it. Wouldn't recommend. <laughs> we're Wouldn't so smart. It. It's really a wonder that we are, you know... I love us. I love you and I just so much. <laughs> this is so us. I love oh our God. vibe. I love our vibe. In the eight years between 1923 and 1931, 603 fires, <laughs> Jesus Christ, were recorded in the temporary structures. Did we not learn after the no, first fire? No, it took 600. <laughs> we're so special. We're so special. I'm also sorry. I, I think there's an arsonist. Like, this is a lot of fires. This, I is, mean, oh, this is totally Al Capone's people wanting to burn down the evidence. This is what this is. It's not prone to fires. People (laughs) are trying to burn down the IRS. It was prone to fucking arson. Jesus. Yeah. Come on, guys. Fool me once. Shame on you. (laughs) Fool me 603 times. Shame on me. Shame on me. Oh, my God. So while none of the fires proved disastrous, it was evident that the really we you think it's evident that Mm -hmm. the creation of a permanent headquartered building was long overdue. Yeah, go the fuck off, guys. Okay, it's been six (laughs) hundred and three fires. I think we should lay down some roots here. (laughs) Hear me out, brick. Hear me out. I don't want to do. I don't want to do another fire. There's some intern who's like, you guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys, let's put some bricks. <laughs> I just, have you heard? It's called marble. I know it's expensive, but like, I know it's expensive. Let's lay some stone. Oh. Come on. Oh my God. <laughs> some intern was like, I am tired from running tired from the, the fires. fires. <laughs> I'm tired I'm of the tired. fires. Oh God. It's a lot of fires. It's a lot of, that's a lot of fires. <sighs> Okay. Okay. So then it's two a year. 
That's hysterical. I mean, not, I mean, it's funny, but like, it's more than two a year if you do the math. Six, it's from 1923 to 1931, divided basically by 603. That's like two a year. It's more than two a year. Is it two a year? Wouldn't that be 200 if it was two a year? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Listen, I did not go to Columbia for math. You said it so earnestly, I did and I'm too. over I here. Like, of course, I can't read. Year. So Come I'm on, like, Lizzie, it's I am. It's two a year. This, okay, quick, quick, funny story. This is a pandemic story. It has everything to do with this moment we just had. And I'm putting my my boyfriend on blast because he's a moron. So we were <laughs> doing a trivia night every Friday during the pandemic with, you know, some friends. That's all we could do. We look forward to it every week. And there was a question that was, how many pints of blood are in the human body? And I was sort of thinking to myself and I was like, mm, I don't know. I was thinking, thinking, thinking. My boyfriend immediately turns to me and goes, two. <laughs> like, <"Earthly." laughs> And he, and he said it so, like, coming from, like, such a place of, like, it was so immediate. He was like, two, write it down. And I was sitting there, I mean, not certain. And I looked at him and I even said to him, I was like, that's, cr- wow, I was thinking, like, eight or nine. But I guess yeah. I'm off the mark, you know, because he said it. When somebody says something so emphatically and you're not sure, you automatically start oh, doubting gospel. yourself. And so I was like, okay, great, two. And then everybody was like, all right, show your answers. And it's like eight, nine, eight, seven, nine, eight, eight. And we're over here like two. <laughs> like, yeah. And I turned to him and I was so mad because I was like, I knew it. I knew that I wasn't crazy. And he was just like, it's absolutely two pints of blood. And I was like, what? That's so funny. So that's the moment that I just had with you where you're like, where I'm looking at the number 603 and thinking two a year for 10 years does not equal 600. No, because I was dividing the wrong number. I was dividing 603 yeah. by two. And I was like, that's about 365 around eight years. Sure. That's not how that math is working. <laughs> it doesn't. The point is, it's actually a lot of fires per year. It's actually a lot it's of a, fires. A, so if you do 603 divided by eight years, that is 75 per year, <laughs> not two. Oh, Again, man. did not go to Columbia for math. Look, you don't do math. I don't do math. I can't read. They're, together, together we're really, we we're stellar. Podcast. We're so good. We're stellar. We're, we, we have amazing personalities, and that can't be so overstated. It saves us. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh okay. We're back on track. So while none of the fires proved disastrous, it was evident that the creation of a permanent headquartered, headquartered building was long overdue. Accordingly, the yes. IRS was one of the first buildings approved for construction during the redevelopment of the Federal Triangle. Great. Yes, of course. Yeah. They were like, well, let's, let's speed this one along. Stone. Great. Authorized in 1926, just one month after approval of the Federal Triangle legislation, the IRS building was designed by architect Louis Simon. Love. Okay. The building was occupied four years later on June 1st, 1930, having been completed 16 months ahead of schedule. Get those architects. Like, who are these construction people? 16 months ahead of schedule? Go the fuck off. Unheard of. Unheard of. Unheard of. Unheard of. In addition to a state-of-the-art alarm fire alarm system, it contained 1,400 telephones. I mean, yes, they were like, we need to know if the papers are on fire. In case you were concerned, the first thing we did before we yes. even put the doors on is we put in a fire alarm system. 
<laughs> Before the doorbell, we put in a fire alarm. Fear not. Because, uh, because these arsonists are out of control. Out of control. Got to keep okay. these people out. So yeah, yes. fire alarm system, it contained 1,400 telephones, a synchronized system of 861 clocks. Oh my gosh. Great. Uh, like like the, the, all of the clocks. That's just a it's lot so of many clocks. So everybody gets a clock. <laughs> every every room, the bathroom, the half bath, all clocked. I love it. In case you guys don't know when April sixteenth, fifteenth is, here's a clock, here's a clock. in every room. So let me remind TikTok, you. TikTok, bitches, let's go. It was the largest system of its kind at the time of it con- at the time of its construction. So like they really poured a lot of money into it. Yeah, as they should. As they should. This is the nation's income. You got to spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. So it has monopoly taught us nothing. As a game. As, I mean. I mean, come on. The second phase of building construction took place between 1934 and 1937 in response to the repeal of the 18th Amendment, a.k.a. Prohibition, like we talked about, which dramatically increased the workload of the division of distilled spirits. <laughs> They're like, we're taking half the clocks. We're taking half the clocks back. Come on. <laughs> Cough them up. <laughs> Y'all don't need clocks now that Prohibition's no. over. Let's go. I, w- I love that. Do you think they had, like... I would love if there was, like, a minister of rum. Yeah. I would love that. A, a I commissioner that. of I tequila. A great minister of... Sure. Minister of tequila. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely the department head of Bloody Marys. That's oh, for gosh darn For sure. sure. For sure. So, I mean, although it might seem like we are have already done fun facts, we actually haven't. I think the 603 fire bit was just a surprise to all of us. So now let's officially turn our attentions to fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts about the IRS. And this, again, is coming from the Mental Floss article I was talking about. So first one. From lowly agents to presidents... Those on the inside are often too seduced by the agency's power. Franklin Roosevelt used the IRS to target enemies like the publisher William Randolph Hearst, Mm. while Richard Nixon famously wielded it to investigate his Democratic opponents. Under FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, the IRS audited the NAACP and civil rights leaders like MLKJ. According to the investigative journalist David Burnham, quote, In almost every administration since the IRS's inception, the information and power of the tax agency have been mobilized for explicitly political purposes. Okay. Yeah. We know it to be true. The IRS brings people down. That's for sure. Next fun fact. You'd think the head of the nation's tax collecting agency would be on top of his finances, no? Well... In 1952, Joseph Nuon Jr. was found guilty of failing to report 86000 in personal income. So Joseph Newman was the head of the IRS at the time. Included in this was $1,800 he'd won after betting Truman would win the presidency in 1948. Wow. So homeboy head of the IRS was found guilty of failing to report his taxes. Love that. This one, I think we all know, but I include it in any way. For years, authorities tried to nail the famed Chicago gangster Al Capone, but nothing stuck. So they turned to the IRS, who put an agent named Frank Wilson on the case. Capone didn't have a bank account or financial records and was careful to leave no paper trail, making the task monumentally difficult for Wilson and his team. After sifting through more than 2 million documents... 
Wilson finally came across payments to Capone that hadn't been listed as income, and this led to Capone's arrest on tax evasion charges and an 11-year prison sentence, which he served partly in my favorite place on earth, Alcatraz. Oh, my lord. He actually might have done all 11 years. I'm not sure if he did all 11, but he did do a portion of a sentence in Alcatraz. On Alcatraz. Is it in it or on it? In it. Oh, I don't know. It's an island. I feel like you would say on Alcatraz or at, at. On Al- at Alcatraz? Yeah. Could be at. Yeah. Interesting. Next fun fact. The tax code is more than 75,000 pages long. You could say a bit uh, it wordy. And there's a reason more and more people are relying on tax software and other services. The tax code is so complex, it makes War and Peace seem like a beach read. LOL, this article. Mm -hmm. And it's always changing. Between 2001 and 2012, for example, the code was amended 4,680 times or more than once a day. Okay, fuck off. That's too many times. That's too many times. Too many times. Next fun fact. With fewer staffers and resources due to budget cuts, the IRS is performing audits on less than 1% of all tax returns. The exception is those individuals making more than $1 million who have about a 10% chance of being audited. Since the IRS knows it can make more money from errors on wealthy taxpayers' returns. And then last fun fact. So these are some of the legal challenges to tax laws. So legal challenges to the IRS and national tax laws have been quite colorful over the years. In 1954, a Wichita man named Arthur Porth argued that income tax amounted to, quote, involuntary servitude and was illegal under the 13th Amendment. Love him for trying. In 1969, Gladwin Lamb claimed his income was not taxable because it didn't come in the form of gold or silver. (laughs) And more recently, tax protesters like Larkin Rose have rallied around what's called the 861 argument, named after the section of tax code that outlies sources of taxable income, and which claims that only income that comes from, quote, international commerce or foreign possessions can be taxed. One famous case was actor Wesley Snipes, who cited the 861 argument when explaining why he didn't pay taxes between 1999 and 2004. Sweet Wesley went on to serve three years in prison for tax evasion. That's amazing. they're trying. That's amazing. They trying to evade. Yeah. Look, my whole thing, like, I feel tax evasion never works. I feel like. Yeah. If they got Capone, they're eventually going to get you. Especially if you're making a lot of money. Like, if you're trying to... If you're making a lot of money. Yeah. 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 IRS is is greedy. They want want a piece of the pie always. Yeah. And eventually, they're going to get their pie. Yeah. But that is the end of our fun facts, and that's the end of our IRS episode. Hey-ho! That's the history of the IRS. And all things related... Absolutely. Absolutely. And like always, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. 
please rate us, review us, subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.